0: lecture six part three of christian patience by william bernard Ullathorne. this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture six on patience as the discipline of the soul part three. Sixth rule the sixth rule is to manage our own infirmities of temper wisely the provocation may arise within ourselves or may come from the voice or conduct of another whichever it may be the true cause of evil temper is always in oneself it arises from want of control over our inferior nature that is to say over our imagination and sensuous emotions the imagination moved by self-love generates fears and suspicions of wrong or of humiliation that are hateful to our pride the untamed blood swells into excitement the nerves become agitated and self-love adds its sting then our reason becomes clouded the folly of the sensual man is predominant and passion has its sway anger is a brutish thing and has been rightly called a transient insanity it corrects nothing it protects nothing it accomplishes nothing but disorder and evil quick temper has a double sting it stings the heart and stings the tongue it suffers a double loss loss of sense and loss of peace just and deserved rebuke moves from right reason with authority to correct pride and persistent disobedience or wrong but anger moves from offended self-love in which our own deluded imagination is commonly the chief offender when another is the real offender not anger but patience is our true protector one who is habitually recollected in god cannot easily be moved to anger resting the soul on her divine foundation he enjoys a peace which makes the soul quickly sensible of the first movements of disturbance and quick to turn from them so that they cannot take hold of the superior soul but in less recollected souls the true method of self-management is this the moment that irritation and disturbance are felt to rise up in the inferior or animal nature let the mind turn to god and the will follow the mind you will then keep your soul in your own possession and that brutal commotion left to itself will sink and die for want of encouragement you may then look upon it and even suffer it to appear again and see by the light in your mind what a contemptible thing it is and how happy you are to be free from it thus by the habit of looking on your evil temper with contempt as a brutal weakness and a vile deformity you will become the master of it the psalmist gives this rule i was troubled and i spoke not psalm 76 verse 5 which he thus expands in another place i said i will take heed to my ways that i sin not with my tongue i have set a guard upon my mouth when the sinner stood against me psalm 38 verse 2 this guard is less the silence of the lips than the patience of the heart until the will obtains the mastery the power of the will over the movement of the senses is immense provided we look to god and dwell on some high motive on the first appearance of rising temper seventh rule this rule of patience is given by st paul be not overcome by evil but overcome evil by good romans chapter 12 verse 21 the evil that conquers our patience may come of our own ill nature fancying wrong where it does not exist or from brooding in melancholy self-discontent a base feeling that makes us displeased with everyone and everything around us or it may come of actual provocation or wrong inflicted or what is most common of wrong imagined to have been inflicted upon us in any of these cases the first thing is to recover our temper and good spirits and return to charity the second is to be kind and generous whether we have only injured ourselves or another has injured us to overcome evil by good there are no worse evils than sadness and melancholy because they reject the cure of every other evil sadness is a malady that unhinges the spirit contracts the heart and brings down the powers of the soul into the caverns of self-love where their light is obscured and the virtues are buried in sensuous slime a dark shadow hangs over the mind and in that shadow self-love paints melancholy images of herself that flatter her as if she were some great victim of wrong the will is chained a captive to this self-love and the soul is unnerved by illusions that exhale from the malignant humours thrown up from the oppressed and saddened spirit of wounded and defeated pride but it is amazing with what a little effort this illusion may be dissolved it seems to be an immense unconquerable immovable nightmare seated on the soul but when the eyes open the nightmare melts away it requires but an effort of the awakened will to disperse the whole illusion and the poet of the spleen has found a re-echo from the common sense of mankind to his famous sentence throw but a stone the giant dies some little effort to expand the contracted heart will dissolve the spell the malady consists in the collapse of the powers upon the bitter ground of egotism and self-love the cure is effected by breaking out of that corrosive shell in which the spirit has become enclosed just as a puncture draws off the humours of a dropsy the first effort may be little more than mechanical still it is an effort of the will and followed up will soon become an act of reviving charity a smile a kind look a gentle word will suffice to open the cloud and admit a ray of light that will dispel the delusion and show that it was but an idle dream of mischievous self-love when we are exposed to provocation or offence then is the time to hold back the will with firmness until we are sure of our self-possession and that we can proceed untouched by the fire of anger the proverb of solomon gives us the plainest language on the subject a fool immediately showeth anger but he that dissembleth injuries is wise proverbs chapter twelve verse sixteen when another contradicts you or exhibits resentment it is time to remember the apostolic admonition give place unto wrath romans chapter twelve verse nineteen the sense of which is explained in the proverb a mild answer breaketh wrath but a harsh word stirreth up fury proverbs chapter fifteen verse one to reason with anger is to show a light to the blind it is taken for reproach and will only increase irritation but mild looks and gentle words subdue the fire of wrath as with a spiritual charm and will save us from catching the contagion if you can follow this up with benefits you will overcome evil with good in mastering yourself you will master evil as well eighth rule the eighth rule of patience is to bear your internal trials crosses and aridities with peace and resignation these are far more trying than external tribulations because of the fears which they awaken respecting our eternal interests as also on account of the sadness which they will give rise to if not borne with patience and which if it does arise will greatly unnerve the soul and impede if not injure the spirit of prayer few souls when under trial take sufficient account of the injury they do themselves by those disquieting fears and that disturbing sadness consider then how important it is to be patient when you are dealing with god himself when you are inwardly tried or made desolate for the purification of your soul the whole profit depends on your patience and resignation. You have to be patient with God, who is patient with you. But of this we shall speak at large when we come to the subject of patience in prayer. Ninth rule The ninth rule of patience, and one of very great importance, is to bear patiently with one's own faults and failures. Faults call for regret and sins for contrition and repentance but they ought not to awaken the impatience of pride or the fear of not being forgiven upon true repentance for this is to mistrust the goodness of god and to open the door to new faults and graver offences unless we bear our failings with patience they will lead us into numberless faults it is extraordinary how many spiritual faults may be committed over one material fault. That one fault may be indeliberate and devoid of malice, but if it humiliates one's pride and vexes one's self love, it will annoy us, make us impatient, disturb our peace, and thus lead us into a number of spiritual faults. We either know something of our natural weakness or we do not if we do not it is time we learnt it and our faults and failures will be our instructors if we can only bear them patiently but if we do know something of ourselves we ought not to be surprised and still less disturbed when we fail but should ascribe it to our having trusted too much in ourselves but if instead of being humbled and corrected by our failures we turn them into temptations and nurse our offended self-love upon them these accidental failures will be turned into positive offences through the spiritual disorder to which they give occasion we thus put the soul into a disturbance and disorder that never came of the original fault but of the trouble of self-love to be patient with oneself after a fault is to keep in the right disposition to correct and repair it to lose patience over a fault is to part with the remedy by which it can be repaired there are moments when we cannot bear the recollection of a self long past who has not experienced those quick flashes of mortified pride at the sudden recollection of some long past act of indiscretion or folly they reveal what lurks hidden and untamed in the soul if through weakness of nature or wandering of mind our self-possession is lost for a time a sense of privation and discomfort begins to be felt and then patience must be called upon to recover us to recollection yet it is not by turning upon oneself not by dwelling upon one's failures as they are displeasing to self-love not by indulging in impatience that any failing can be cured but by turning to god who is patient with us who knows our frame who remembers that we are dust who is compassionate of our weaknesses and has mercy on our follies it is by turning to him as a child to a father simply and without prudery that we find the medicine that our weakness requires be thou o my soul subject to god for from him is my patience tenth rule the last rule is that of the perfect who find a cheering joy in trials contradictions and sufferings not only because they are great helps for advancing towards god upon the groundworks of humility and patience but because they can find nothing more conducive to detachment from all that is not god nothing more effective in subduing their nature to the reign of grace they delight in bearing upon them the marks of christ crucified in carrying their cross after him in suffering with him for the exceeding love of god saint paul rejoiced in all his tribulations and gloried in nothing save jesus christ crucified saint francis found the perfection of holy joy in contempt and humiliations these are but examples of the ways of the saints but this is a degree of fortitude more than human a singular gift of the holy ghost by which the superior will is so closely united with god as to remove all repugnance to suffering and that hallowed will embraces things that are even contrary to nature with a cheerfulness to which the sensuality of nature can make no effectual opposition even though they come suddenly and without preparation end of lecture 6 part 3